Welcome to this week's presentation with Scott Toole. We are thrilled to have you joining us as we gain insight from God's Word. Now, speaking from Rosedale Baptist Church in Baltimore, Maryland, here's Pastor Toole. Take our Bibles and turn to Judges chapter 7, and if you do have it physically with you, also turn to 2 Corinthians 4. Uh, put a finger in both, if you will. Uh, I want to first tell you the story of Judges 7. Uh, it's a picture, but then uh, I want to teach you the truth out of 2 Corinthians chapter 4 and chapter 5. Uh, the Old Testament picture in Judges 7, and then uh, the New Testament principle uh, in 2 Corinthians chapter 4 uh, and 5. And so let's all stand for the reading of God's Word this morning. We're in Judges 7, verse number 16. Take a deep breath. We're going to be here a long time. No, I don't know about that, but, um, but just kind of uh, wake up in uh, verse 16. Uh, Gideon, we've been looking at him for the last uh, several weeks, and, and uh, God called him, and now uh, God's reduced him, and now uh, he divided the 300 men into three companies, uh, and he put a trumpet in every man's hand with empty pitchers and lamps within the pitchers. Uh, and he said unto them, uh, look on me and do likewise, and behold, when I come to the outside of the camp, uh, it shall be that as I do, so shall uh, ye do, when uh, I blow the trumpet, uh, I and all that are with me, then blow ye the trumpets also on every side of all the camp, and say, the sword of the Lord and of Gideon. It's interesting, uh, because Gideon didn't have a sword. Uh, no one in that company had a sword. All they had was a, a pitcher, uh, a flashlight, uh, and a kazoo. That's all they had. And, and so, uh, the sword of the Lord, sword of the Lord, uh, and of Gideon, so Gideon and the hundred men that were with him came unto the outside of the camp in the beginning of the middle watch, and uh, they had but newly set the watch, and uh, they blew the trumpets uh, and break the pitchers that were in their hands, uh, and the three companies blew the trumpets and break the pitchers and held their lamps uh, in their left hands. It started to the right, now it's the left. Uh, and, uh, and the trumpets in their right hands to blow withal. Uh, and they cried, the sword of the Lord and of uh, Gideon. And the victory that day uh, was just incredible. Uh, God, I do pray that uh, you'll teach us as we see the picture and then you teach us the truth, Lord, that uh, you'll help us to take something home with us and uh, help us to be on the edge of our seat, to be alert, eyes wide open, hearts wide open, uh, as we want to hear what the Spirit uh, saith to the churches today. Uh, bless your word, please. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. You can be seated. It's one of the uh, most unusual victories strategically battle has ever seen. Uh, one of the most unusual uh, and, and so there's 135,000 Midianites, we know that, we've talked about that. And then uh, Gideon rallied the troops, 32,000 of them, we know that, we talked about that. And then uh, God reduced the troops from uh, 32,000 down to 300, we know that, we've talked about that. But then uh, the weapons are a trumpet, uh, a pitcher, uh, and, a, and a torch. And of course, that get it in your mind, that picture, he divides a hundred, a hundred, a hundred surrounding that camp, uh, going with the torch inside of the pitcher. And so uh, there may have been a little flicker of light uh, from the opening, but, but basically it's hiding. Basically it's hidden. Basically uh, it's not seen until all three surround the camp. And then uh, Gideon blows the trumpet, breaks the pitcher, and shines the light brightly. Uh, and the victory that God gave was nothing short of incredible. 
uh, miraculous. Uh, and that event, uh, allegorically, uh, almost symbolically, uh, is, is a picture God gave us, but then he explains it in 2 Corinthians 4, uh, 2 Corinthians 5, uh, and we're going to get there eventually, but the trumpet, the trumpet, were to trumpet God's word, uh, were to trumpet uh, the glorious gospel of Jesus Christ. Uh, the light, we understand that the light, uh, Jesus said, uh, I am the light of the world, John 8. And then he turns to us and he said, uh, ye are the light of the world. And basically, hey, let my light shine through you. Uh, and in 2 Corinthians 4, before we put it on the screens, uh, understand the context of that uh, chapter. It's the light uh, of the glorious gospel of Christ, who is the image of God, uh, that it should shine unto them. For we preach not ourselves, but Christ Jesus the Lord, uh, ourselves your servants for his sake. For God, who commanded the light to shine out of darkness, uh, has shined in our hearts to give light, to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God uh, in the face of Jesus Christ. Uh, and so the trumpet, uh, and then the torch, uh, but the earthen vessel, the earthen vessel... Well, the earthen vessel, that's us. Uh, you see, each of us have the light of God indwelling us, uh, wanting to shine uh, through us, but unfortunately, all of us have an earthen vessel that's covering the light. Uh, all of us have uh, carnality and flesh and, uh, and even pride uh, that, that's obscuring the light. Uh, and as long as the earthen vessel is over the light, yes, there may be a little light flickering uh, from that opening, uh, but it's never going to shine brightly. No broken pitcher, uh, no bright light. Uh, and as verse 7, 2 Corinthians 4 said, for we have this treasure for we have this light, the glorious gospel of Jesus Christ. Hey, we have this treasure in earthen vessels that the excellency of the glory may be of God and not of man, uh, lest Israel vaunt themselves uh, against me, saying, my own hand uh, has saved me. And so the treasure is the light of the gospel, the light of the Lord Jesus Christ. But uh, that earthen vessel, that's self, that's carnality, that's, that's uh, our, 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 our flesh, that, that man was made out of the, the dust of the ground, the dust of the earth. We are that, uh, the potter and the clay. We're that clay, that, that earthen vessel. Uh, and no broken pitcher, no bright light. Uh, Jesus put it this way in John chapter 12. He said, Except a corn of wheat fall into the ground and die, it abideth alone. But if it die, it bringeth forth much fruit. Uh, every seed, uh, that grain of corn, that, that seed uh, has a protective sh shell. Uh, every uh, seed has that. Uh, and except that, that seed fall to the ground uh, and that protective shell breaks, it dies. That fruit is on the inside. That, that growth is on the inside. That, that blessing is on the inside. Uh, and the shell must be broken for life to get out, for uh, light to get out, for, for uh, there to be growth. No broken picture, no bright uh, light. And so Gideon, there he is, covering it uh, with that earthen vessel, covering it. Uh, it's perfect, uh, intact, and uh, if it's never broken, it would never shine light. Uh, and we're commanded to not just let your light flicker uh, among men. Uh, we're not commanded to just uh, let a little bit of light uh, be seen among men. Hey, we're to let our light so shine, so shine uh, among men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. Uh, Gideon's earthen pitcher had to crack. Uh, Gideon's earthen pitcher had to break. Uh, Gideon's earthen pitcher had to shatter. 
Boy, it had to be split open. Uh, it was necessary for that light to shine. It was critical, essential uh, for that light to shine. No broken picture, no bright light. And I think one of the best ways that, that we do shine the light of the Lord Jesus Christ to a lost and dying world, uh, the God of this world have blinded their minds, uh, lest the light of the glorious gospel of Jesus Christ. Uh, and I think one of the best ways is when we're hurting, uh, when we're struggling, uh, when there's uh, hardships, when, when our life is breaking, uh, when we respond properly to that, uh, when we're still honoring God in that, uh, when we're still living a Christ-like life, uh, in spite of that, hey, no broken picture, no bright light. Think with me. Uh, if it were not for the broken picture of John Bunyan spending 12 years in the Bedford County Jail, we never would have had the bright light of Pilgrim's Progress. If it was not for the broken picture of Fanny Crosby being born blind, we never would have had that bright light of blessed assurance. I shall know him. If it wasn't for the broken picture of Jeremy Camp losing his wife to cancer at, at 21 years of age, hey, there wouldn't be a bright light of the music ministry that he had. No broken picture, no bright light. Uh, if it wasn't uh, for the broken picture of Paul in that Mamertine prison, uh, shackled in dampness, in darkness, uh, we wouldn't have the bright light of I can do all things, uh, the bright light of uh, I've learned to be content, the bright light of uh, my God shall supply all my needs. Uh, if there were no broken picture, there would be no bright light. Uh, you see, it was the broken picture of uh, the Apostle John, uh, exiled to Patmos, that gave us the bright light of, and I saw the Lord high and lifted up. His hair was white like wool. His eyes were as a flame of fire. Uh, his girt about the paps, golden girl. His feet like uh, fine brass that burned in a furnace. And, and when he spoke, it was as how to many waters. If it wasn't for that broken picture, that broken picture, that broken picture, hey, there would be no bright light. It was the broken picture of, of losing his daughter that brought the bright light of a Harold Seitler. Uh, it was a broken picture of, uh, of deafness and blindness that brought us the bright light uh, of Helen Keller bringing so many advances uh, to working with, with, with uh, those that had that, that need. And, and listen, when your life's about to break, don't break down. You're about to have a breakthrough. When your life's about to break, hey, don't break down. That light's about to break through. Charles Haddon Spurgeon, uh, broken pitcher. Uh, I'm talking about that, that cray crack uh, when he was voted out of the London Baptist Association. Uh, he only got seven votes for him. Uh, but praise the Lord, there was a bright light that would be shining, that would be, be, be uh, sent out uh, all around the globe. I, I can't tell you all the reasons why our first year at Rosedale Baptist Church uh, that Char lost her 21-year-old sister to ovarian cancer. Uh, I can't tell you all the reasons why that happens, but, but I can tell you one of the reasons, the people that were encouraged. Uh, by her testimony, the people that were saved. Uh, by her testimony, that light was shining brighter uh, during that breaking of that, that picture. Uh, when I did her funeral, one of the nurses that, that cared for her came up after and said, uh, Pastor, I just want you to know, I told Joy that I was going to get saved. Uh, and while you were preaching the funeral today, I trusted Christ as my Savior. 
I can't explain why my stepdad died in a a plane crash or why my mom died in a a head-on collision. Uh, But I do know this. uh, Earthen vessels obscure the light. Uh, They they cloud over that brightness. They, They shade that illumination. And we have this treasure in earthen vessels that the excellency of the power may be of God. To God be the glory, uh, and and not of man. And so I want to give you a few points, and then we're going to lean into 2 Corinthians chapter 4. No broken picture, no bright light. Put down number one, if you will. Notice first uh, our reduction. We talked about that, Uh, our reduction, our our reduction. Uh, Gideon uh, rallied the troops, 32,000 of them. Uh, uh, Gideon uh, rallied the troops, a whole lot of them. And and then God came and said, uh, the people that are with thee are too many less... Uh, uh, they vaunt themselves against me, saying, uh, my own hand has saved me. And so uh, God reduces that. God reduces that. God reduces that. Uh, and it goes from 32,000 down to 300 so that God's light might shine bright. Not Gideon's, but God's. Not Gideon's, but God. Boy, it's all about the Lord. Our, our reduction, our reduction, our reduction. Uh, and then he's handed a, a picture, a, a trumpet, and a, a, a torch Uh, And uh, break that picture, let that light shine. Break that picture, let that light shine. Uh, And 2 Corinthians 4, boy, speaks directly to this about the light of the glorious gospel of Jesus Christ, that it should shine. For we preach not ourselves, that trumpeting, trumpeting, uh, but Christ Jesus the Lord, who commanded the light to shine out of darkness, has shined in our hearts to give light, to give light uh, to other people, our, our reduction, our reduction. God says, hey, Paul, uh, I'm going to crack the clay. Uh, I'm going to break the bowl. I'm going to fracture uh, your flesh. But, but there's a purpose behind the pain. There's a purpose behind the problems. Uh, we have this treasure in earthen vessels. We have this treasure in earthen vessels. But we need to allow the clay to crack. Or at least, at least, not get bitter and turn on God uh, when that, the flesh fractures or that bowl breaks or that, that, that clay cracks in verse number 7 of 2 Corinthians chapter 4. Uh, but we have this treasure in earthen vessels that the excellency of the power may be of God, uh, not of man. Now, understand verse 6 through uh, uh, 4 through 6 says the light is the gospel. The light is Jesus Christ. Uh, now, uh, how does that earthen vessel break? Verse 8. We're troubled. Uh, on every side, yet not distressed. We're perplexed, but not in despair. Persecuted, but not forsaken. Cast down, but not destroyed. Basically saying, when your life's about to break, don't have a breakdown. Uh, We're troubled on every side, yet not distressed. Uh, We're perplexed, but not in despair. Uh, We're persecuted, but not forsaken. Uh, Cast down, but not destroyed. Uh, When your life's about to break, don't have a breakdown. Don't break down. Uh, Because your light is about to break through. Uh, Your life is about to have a breakthrough. Verse number 10, always bearing in the body the dying of the Lord Jesus. Why? That the life also of Jesus might be made manifest in our body. Hey, that bright light, uh, that bright light, uh, but no broken picture, no bright light, no broken picture, no bright light. 11, for we which live are always delivered unto death. Can't you hear that, that clay cracking? Uh, can't you hear that, that bowl-breaking, troubled, perplexed, persecuted, cast down, uh, bearing on our bodies the dying of the Lord Jesus, delivered unto death, 
for Jesus' sake, that the life also of Jesus might be made manifest in our mortal body. 12. So then death worketh in us, but life in you. Death worketh in us. What's the purpose? So that light will get to you. So that life will be working in you. That's what the crucified life is all about. It's minimizing the clay. It's magnifying the light. It's minimizing me, and it's magnifying him. That's why Paul said, I die daily. That's why Paul said, I'm crucified, crucified with Christ. That's why Christ said, if any man follow me, let him come after me. Deny himself. Take up his cross. Take up his cross and follow me. Hey, no broken pitcher, no broken pitcher, no bright light. That's what Paul's thorn in the flesh was. That thorn in the flesh, that messenger of Satan that buffeted his body, that Paul prayed three times, God, uh, take it from me. Three times, God, God, take it from me. Three times, God, God, take it from me. Uh, And God said, no, my grace is sufficient for thee, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. The light shines bright when that clay's about to crack. Our reduction, uh, our reduction. But put down number two, Uh, We can't just focus on the pain. We have to focus on the purpose behind the pain. Uh, And that's our realization, number two. Our uh, our realization. Uh, In verse number 17, Paul said, For our light affliction, the cracking of the clay, the breaking of the bull, that that fracturing of the flesh, for, for our light affliction, which is but for a moment, worketh for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight and glory. Uh, that's why uh, we look not at the things that are seen, uh, 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 gross income, the things that are seen, uh, the car I drive, the things that are seen, uh, how my health is, the things that are seen. We look not at the things that are seen, but the things that are unseen. For uh, the things that are seen are temporal, the things that are unseen, hey, they're eternal. Uh, and our divine perspective is what makes us able to say, it's a light affliction that's but for a moment. It's a light affliction which is but for a moment. Boy, having God's point of view, Seeing things through the eyes of the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, isn't that what Hebrews 12.2 means when it says, looking into Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, but here it is, who for the joy that was set before him, he's talking about the cross, who for the joy that was set before him, there was no joy in the nails, there was no joy in the thorn, there was no joy in that spear puncturing his side, there was no joy in his back being shredded by that cat of nine tails, the thorns puncturing his brow, but the joy, the joy was people are going to be saved because of it. People are going to be reached by way of it. Forgiveness is going to come. Who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, endured the cross, despising the shame. That word despising is minimizing the pain, minimizing the shame, not focusing, not obsessing on that, uh, but fully focusing on the purpose, the purpose behind the pain. Paul could smile through the trial because he knew there was a purpose behind the pain. Paul could praise during the problems because he knew there was a purpose behind the pain. Uh, We suffer so that others can be saved. Uh, We sacrifice so that others can be sent out. We give so that families can be reached. That's what sacrificial giving, sacrificial giving is. We don't just tip God. 
Uh, we don't just tip God. Well, it's going gonna, it's gonna to hurt. Giving that uh, is a little more than, than seems reasonable. It's sacrificial giving. Uh, and that's the same thing Jesus did. Uh, he that was rich, yet for our sake became poor, that we might through his poverty become spiritually rich. Uh, that's what living the crucified life is all about. Uh, that's what sacrificing is all about. Uh, and the realization is in verse number one of chapter five. For we know, for we know, does everybody see that on the screen? Second Corinthians chapter five, verse number one, uh, or trust me, okay, when I say it. And uh, uh, for we know that if our earthly house of this tabernacle uh, were dissolved, um, um, uh, when the clay cracks, uh, when, when the, the flesh fractures, uh, we have a building of God and house not made with hands, eternal uh, in the heavens. We know. Uh, we know God has a purpose behind the uh, pain. Uh, we know God has a purpose behind the problem. We know that. Uh, and if that cracking of the clay becomes down to where we are, are totally dissolved, hey, this is the, the worst we'll ever go through. The best is yet to come. If you're a child of God, this is as bad as it gets for a child of God. It's going to be perfect someday. Uh, oh yeah, by the way, uh, if you're not a child of God, you can flip it. This is as good as it gets. It's not going to get any better. But a child of God has a realization. We know, we know, we know that if our, uh, our tabernacle dissolved, our earthly house dissolved, hey, we have a home in heaven. That's why we know it's a light affliction. That's why we know it's but for a moment. Hey, that's why we know that, that God's doing something uh, great. We know that. Uh, we realize that. Uh, it's a lot like James's realization in James chapter uh, 1 where he says, My brethren, count it all joy. Count it all joy when you fall into divers' temptations, uh, knowing this, uh, that the trying of your faith worketh patience, but, but let patience have her perfect work, that ye may be perfect in entire wanting nothing. Have joy in it, who for the joy of the cross, uh, have joy in that pain. Uh, Paul said, I'd rather therefore glory in my infirmities. I'd rather rejoice in the things that, that, that crack that clay because I know there's something better at hand. Uh, Romans 5.3, we glory in tribulation knowing that tribulation worketh patience. Uh, and so verse number one, we know. Uh, and then chapter five, verse number six, 2 Corinthians 5, 6. Uh, Therefore, we are always confident, knowing, confident, uh, knowing that uh, whilst we are at home in the body, we are absent from the Lord. Flip it, verse eight. Uh, we're confident. We know this, I say, uh, and willing rather to be absent from the body, to be present with the Lord. That's why martyrs could stand tall uh, when they were ordered to recant, or we'll light this fire. Stand tall uh, when they were ordered to recant. Hey, all you have to do is denounce Christ. All you have to do is denounce Christ. And so many of them walked gladly to the stake to be burned, uh, were filleted in half, uh, were, were quartered by wild horses, were, were killed for, for the gospel of Jesus Christ because they knew a few things. They knew that there's something far bigger going on than what's going on. There's something far more important going on than what's going on. We're confident. We know this. We're confident. We know this, uh, that 
that carrying my cross, that, that cracking the clay. I know that God's light is about to shine bright. But by the way, isn't there another verse that talks about knowing, knowing? Romans 8, 28, uh, and we know, and we know, and we know all things work together for good. Uh, that doesn't always mean a pay raise. Uh, that doesn't always mean perfect health. Uh, that doesn't even always mean for our good, but for the good of the gospel reaching a community. Uh, we know all things work together for good to them uh, that love God and, uh, and to them, for them, uh, that, 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 that uh, are, are walking uh, in accordance with them. I think that's what it means in Philippians 1 where Paul said, hey, but I would you should understand, brethren, uh, the things that have happened to me have fallen out rather under the furtherance of the gospel. I would that ye should understand, brethren, the things which have happened to me have, have fallen out rather under the furtherance of the gospel. Paul wrote that when he was shackled. Paul wrote that when he was beaten. Paul wrote that when he was a prisoner. That's when he wrote that. I would you should understand. I already understand that. No wonder a few chapters later he can say, rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice if the test is great, if the test is bad, if, if the job is, is on the climb or if the job is lost. Rejoice in the Lord always because I would ye should understand. We know, we know that God has a purpose behind the problems that we're going through. Is everybody with me so far? And so our reduction, the breaking, the breaking of that clay, the breaking, our realization, if that clay didn't crack, no broken pitcher, no bright light, our realization, uh, Paul could pray through the pain because he knew there was a purpose behind it. He knew there was a purpose in spite of it. He knew that, that God is playing chess while we're playing checkers. Would anybody agree with that? Uh, number three, what should our response be? What should our response be? Uh, number one, uh, our reduction. Uh, number two, our realization. Uh, and then number three, what should our response be? Verse number seven of 2 Corinthians, we're still, uh, we looked at the picture, the picture uh, of Judges 7, that, that picture of the broken pitcher, pitcher. Uh, that picture of the broken pitcher. Uh, we saw that in Judges 7, and now uh, we're looking at the principle in 2 Corinthians 4, 2 Corinthians 5, for we walk by faith, by faith, by faith, we walk by faith. You may not see it now, but by faith we know that God's working it out. Uh, by faith we know that God has bigger plans, a, a bigger purpose. Hey, we walk by faith. If you want to put it down, put down uh, a gaze of faith. Look at chapter 4, verse number 18. Chapter 4, verse number 18. While we look not at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. Uh, you see, we don't just look by sight uh, at the things that are uh, happening tangibly at the things that are, 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 are maybe even hurting physically. Uh, no, uh, we look not at the things that are seen, but the things that are not seen, looking unto Jesus, uh, the author and finisher of our faith. Consider him uh, that endured such contradiction of sinners against himself, lest thou be wearied and faint in your own mind. Moses endured by seeing him who is uh, invisible. Uh, and didn't Isaiah say he'll keep them in perfect peace whose mind is stayed uh, on him. The gaze of faith, the groaning of faith. Look at verse number two of chapter five. Uh, we're, we're looking at uh, chapter four, chapter five, verse number two. For in this we groan, 
earnestly desiring to be clothed upon uh, with our house, which is from heaven. And of course, Colossians, Paul's still talking there when he said, uh, if ye then be risen with Christ, seek those things which are above. Set your affection on things above. Uh, Hebrews 11.10, for Abraham looked for a city that had foundation, whose builder and maker is God. Boy, if you're obsessed with the the touch, the taste, the smell, the see. If you're obsessed by the tangible, uh, by the here and now, well, you'll never be able to live a crucified life. You'll never be able to live a Christ-like life because that is the crucified life. But if you're focused on the spiritual, if you're focused on the eternal, we see the groaning uh, of faith in verse 2, the groaning uh, of faith in verse 4. For we that are in this tabernacle do groan, uh, being burdened not for that which would, would, uh, not for that uh, we would be unclothed, but clothed upon uh, that mortality might be swallowed up, swallowed up of life. And then number three, uh, a goal of faith, a goal of faith. Uh, okay, let's stop here. Um, right up here. Uh, is anyone understanding this at all? Uh, I don't want to rush through it uh, because no broken picture, no bright light. No broken picture, no bright light. Uh, That clay had to crack. That bowl had to be broken for that light to shine through. And so many times we we struggle with that. I I, I do like what uh, A.W. Tozer said when he said, it's doubtful that God can use anyone greatly until they've been broken deeply. It's doubtful that God can use, A.W. Tozer, can use anyone greatly uh, until they've been broken deeply. Uh, and, and the goal of faith, the goal of faith, verse number nine. Look at it in Second Corinthians, uh, chapter number five. The goal of faith, wherefore we labor, that whether present or absent, we may be accepted of Him. And, and isn't that what our goal is to please Him, to please Him? And without faith, it's impossible to to please Him. That's the goal of faith: is to be accepted by Him. Uh, kind of like what Paul said. Thou therefore endure hardness as a good soldier. I like this song. It's a battlefield brother, not a recreation room. It's a fight and not a game. Endure hardness as a good soldier. Let that clay crack. As a good soldier, no man that warreth entangleth himself with the affairs of this life, that he may please him, that he may please him, that he may please him who hath chosen him to be a soldier, to be accepted of him. Which brings us to point number four. We're done. Put it down. Our reward. Our our reward. Uh, Our reward. Uh, The the pain, the problems, the setbacks, the hurts, the the breaking at times. uh, uh, That's not what we focus on. That's not what life is all about. Uh, but, But what it's all about is in verse number 10 of 2 Corinthians chapter 5, for we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ that everyone may receive the things that, that he hath done in this body according to that he hath done, whether it be good or whether it be bad. Uh, wasn't it Scott Smith that said someday it will be worth it all when we see Christ? It will be worth it all. Someday we'll look back and say, boy, it was worth it all. Uh, didn't Paul say... 
I'm now ready to be offered. That word offered uh, is like an offering, a, a drink offering poured out on the altar. Uh, I'm now ready to be offered. The time of my departure is at hand. Uh, I've fought a good fight. I've finished my course. I've uh, kept the faith. Henceforth there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness, uh, which the Lord, the righteous judge, shall give me at that day. Boy, the reward. And that's why Paul could say, it's a light affliction, which is but for a moment. Hey, what's yours? Hey, what's yours? Is it medically? It's a light affliction, which is but for a moment. Hey, what's yours? What's yours? Is it financially? Is it occupation? It's a light affliction, which is but for a moment, that worketh for us a far more eternal, a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. No broken pitcher, no bright light. One of the great theologians in their day said, during problems, the question, why, when, where, and how, are all words of the faithless. The only word that should be spoken by men of faith is who. Who. And will always, it will always lead you to Christ. Not why is this happening, not when will this stop, not uh, how come I have to go through this, but, but who can I worship in this? Christ. Uh, who, who can I encourage uh, 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 as I'm uh, 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 going through this uh, 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 to Christ? It's not about why. It's not about why, 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 uh, how, how, uh, when am I going to, when's it going to stop? Uh, our, our question should always be about who, and you say, well, what right does that theologian have to say that? Uh, well, the one that said it was Dietrich Bonhoeffer. He's the one that wrote A Cost of Discipleship. Uh, in the 1940s, he uh, had a big ministry publicly. He was coming down on Adolf Hitler, calling for the overthrow of the Third Reich. Uh, in 1943, SS officers broke into the church where he was preaching that Sunday, hauled him off to a concentration camp. This is who said that. Uh, and when he was brought to the commandant, he gathered the assembly and he uh, called him up front and he said, Dietrich Bonhoeffer, the great preacher, sarcastically, the, the great theologian. Hey, we know that preachers have to preach. And so uh, I'm going to give you two minutes to preach. But then after that, if you preach one more word, you're going to die. Bonhoeffer kind of straightened up after the beatings and the arrest and now drug up onto that stage. And he said, I don't need two minutes. I just have two words. Watch me. Watch me. The guards mercilessly beat him. The guards, with clubs and fists to the face, absolutely abused him constantly, constantly. And after wiping the blood off, he would look up with a smile and literally say, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Like Stephen said, Lord, lay not this sin to their charge. Father, forgive them, that they know not what they do. The meager starvation rations that they got, he'd always save a little off to the side. When a guard came by, they also had minimal rations. He would give them uh, some of his food and uh, other uh, uh, prisoners around him. He would do the same thing, constantly smiling, constantly praying, constantly loving, constantly forgiving to the point a revival broke out. Uh, hundreds were saved. People started looking to the Lord. Even guards uh, came to a saving knowledge of Christ for almost two years until the commandant found out, got word of what was happening. 
Uh, and he called an assembly again on April 9th, 1945. Uh, he had Dietrich Bonhoeffer drugged back up uh, onto that platform, and he said, you told us months ago to watch you now. I have two words for you. Watch me. And they tied his arms behind his back, put a noose around his neck, uh, pulled the lever. Bonhoeffer's body dropped. His neck broke. But his spirit soared to the heavens. But not before hundreds were saved. Not before a revival broke out. Uh, his congregation was in a concentration camp. It was the Flossberg concentration camp. But I think he epitomized the teaching of chapter 4, chapter 5. Uh, epitomized the picture of Judges 7. No broken pitcher. No bright light. And aren't you glad that the ultimate example of this is the Lord Jesus Christ? Uh, didn't he say in the upper room, this is my body which is broken. This is my body given to you. Do in remembrance of me. This is my body which is broken, broken uh, for you. He was wounded for our transgressions, bruised for our iniquities, with his stripes, we're healed. All we like sheep have gone astray. We turned everyone to his own way. And the Lord hath laid on him the iniquity of us all. He was oppressed. He was afflicted. He's brought as a lamb to the slaughter. No broken pitcher. No bright light. I wouldn't have had that day, December 27th, 1984, when I was confronted with the gospel for the first time. I was religious. I was a church member. I'd been confirmed. I tried to keep the golden rule. I tried to do unto others as you'd have them do to you. I, I was a moral person. But, but I didn't realize we've all sinned and come short of the glory of God. All of us have. There's none righteous. None of us are. All, all of us have come short of what God requires. We're all in the same boat. That's why Jesus Christ on that fateful day allowed the nails to be driven into his hand, allowed the spittle, spit upon two times, uh, the mockery, if thou be the king of the Jews, uh, save yourself. Uh, 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 if he's the Christ, if he's the Christ, mocking him, mocking him, uh, laughing at him as prior to that they put a bag over his head, hit him, uh, prophesy who it is that hit you, uh, prophesy who it is that hit you, uh, that scourging, that cat of nine tail, rapping and ripping and rapping and ripping. If it wasn't for that broken pitcher, uh, I would never be able to say when I was 18 years old, well, I was headed for hell. I, I wasn't going to make it to heaven on my own. I knew that. But Jesus Christ did all the work, paid the entire price, so that I could bow my head and say, dear Jesus, I know I'm a sinner. And I know without you, no matter how hard I try, no matter how many religious works I do, I can't make it to heaven on my own. Best I know how I place all of my faith, Jesus, in what you did on the cross, the gospel. Come into my heart, forgive my sins, and save me. And it's because of that broken picture that I can have any light at all. And then he turns to us and he says, if any man will come after me, let him deny himself, take up, take up his cross. 
take up his cross and follow me. Let's pray. And that is today's message. We invite you to tune in next time with Scott Toole as he presents another message from Rosedale Baptist Church. For more information about today's presentation or about the ministries of Rosedale Baptist Church, go online to rosedalebaptist.org. That's rosedalebaptist.org. Join us again next time as we study the Bible chapter by chapter, verse by verse.